Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Uh, today, we continue on this journey through Easter tide, the season after Easter where we remember God is not in the grave, that Jesus was resurrected, that he has won over death, and death doesn't have the final word uh, in our life. This is the ongoing realization of the power and the impact that Resurre- Resurrection Sunday has, um, has on our lives. It doesn't end after Monday, right? I mean, Sunday comes and goes. Monday, we still serve a risen Christ. Um, The gospel text that we've been looking into uh, in the book of John here for the next couple of weeks uh, until we get to the the season of ordinary time. Um, So we move from Easter Resurrection Sunday into Eastertide. It ends with Pentecost Sunday, uh, and then we have Trinity Sunday, and then we enter a long season of ordinary time called Ordinary Time in the church. uh, until uh, Advent starts up again um, in December, late November or December uh, of, of this year. So today we turn to John chapter 15. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles or point your devices that direction out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. For those who are able, I'm going to invite you to stand uh, as, we, as we read the Scripture this morning. A reading from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine... And my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit. And he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more. You are already trimmed because of the the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit, and in this way prove that you are my disciples." This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. We're going to spend a couple of weeks here in in the early parts of John chapter 15 as we follow uh, the lectionary texts. Um, Today we cover the first eight verses um, of of chapter 15, uh, and we're going to be moving down to verse 17 um, 
next week. Uh, but Jesus was this master of, of using his environment, using the things around him to explain and to, and to teach and to lead and to guide and to help people understand. Uh, using, using these images that people were extremely familiar with in order to, uh, to help them understand what, uh, what life with Christ was like and, and what, how, the, how life with God works. Uh, here in the first section, Jesus is doing that, that very thing. He talks about vines. He talks about branches. He talks about fruits. Now, this is a very plant-based metaphor, Okay, we've already established my propensity for having two very black thumbs um, in that the plants that I try to tend to are not lucky plants. <laughs> it's not a good day for the, for the plants uh, because I, I struggle to keep things alive. But in this chapter, John, John records uh, or, or starts off with Jesus speaking this powerful metaphor. What does he say? I am the vine, the true vine. Now, I went back into my, um, my uh, English days, right? Remember when we were studying English? Uh, the, the book of John is, is really unique in, in this aspect of, of using these metaphors. In, in other gospels, uh, there were more similes, okay? Who remembers the difference between a, similar, a simile and a metaphor? Anybody? Okay, there's people like, I think so, is he going to call on me? Uh, <laughs> But, but in the synoptic gospels, they always said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of, of heaven is like a merchant. Or the kingdom of God is like, like a mustard seed. So similes are comparisons that use the words like or as, right? Um, and the synoptic gospels are full of them. They, they use them all the time. Uh, John is different. John is different. As John records the words of Jesus, Jesus says, I am the true vine. There's a strong statement there, a powerful, powerful declaration. Um, and, and John uses this technique seven times throughout his gospel, okay? And, and this is the last time. Some of these are going to sound familiar. I, I looked these up and I wanted to share these. First, he says, I am the bread of life. Have you heard that? He says, I am the light of the world, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he wraps it up this seventh time and says, I am the true vine. What a powerful list. What a powerful list, a, a picture of who Jesus is. These are Jesus' statements saying, this is who I am. And we talked about two of them last week, right? The gate and the good shepherd. But what is unique about this final, final metaphor? I'm, I'm the true vine. Like we established, uh, I know nothing about growing plants, okay? But, but I have noticed one thing. If you have a leaf and it's on a tree and you break it off, it dies. <laughs> it turns brown. It, go, it, it, it shrivels up, dries up, um, we, had, we, we took down a tree in our backyard. It's one of those elm trees that I hear once you take it down, it's not really down, and you gotta, you got to keep working on it. Again, I don't know anything. This is just what people tell me. Um, but when the branches were cut off, they dried up. They were no longer good. They were no longer nourished. They were no longer watered, for they were disconnected. 
This is the first thing that I noticed in this passage, this sense of, of what it means to remain in Christ. A lot, of, a lot of translations, if you have a different translation, might say abide. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Carson talks about this, this remaining or this abiding uh, in several different ways in his commentary. He says uh, that there are different ways to, to look at, at that verse that says, you remain in me and I will remain in you. But he calls this understanding a mutual imperative. A mutual imperative. So what, what does that mean? Mutual means both. It means two people. It means uh, at the same time, there, there are two parties that, that, are, that are wanting and, and moving in the same direction. An imperative says, we have to do this. This is part of what it means to be Christian. This is part of what it means to live life with Christ. It's both and and. It's a both and situation. God remains as us, and we must remain in God. And I have to confess, sometimes <clears throat> I haven't lived that way. Sometimes it's easy to get out of that mode and instead to treat God uh, some, some different way. God, God becomes more like a gas pump. Eh, the tank's getting low. I need my, I need my fix. Oh, it's been a long week. I'm going to head back to church on Sunday and fill up the tank. It's like the, the fountain soda machine. Hey, free refills. You know, my, my cup's getting low. Go to God and get a, get a pick-me-up. Jesus says, no, that's not how you live. That's not how, that's not how this relationship is supposed to work. That's not how it's designed to be. I am like a vine, a vine that, that you actively remain in. Stay here. Stay connected. Drink up my presence and, and fill me new each day. Make this a priority in your life. To remain has this, this sense of permanence, this sense of, of this is where I live. This is where I thrive. This is how I grow in my life. Don't, don't dabble, don't, don't dip in every now and then, don't refill when you're empty. Dig deep into God and make your home in that place. It doesn't say, this one thing I noticed as, as I read through this, this text, it doesn't say remain in church. <laughs> it doesn't say remain in Bible study, remain safe behind the walls, stay, stay with your group. It says, remain in Christ. And Christ was the ultimate example of, of being out in the world. Remain in me, Jesus says. Go to where you go. Do the things of your life that need to be done, but remain in me. The alternative is scary, right? The imagery of the vineyard and the vine... Uh, uh, breaks down a, a bit here. You see branches only become separated um, by an outside force, right? If I have a vine and, and some vines are pretty pesky, they can, they can cause trouble. Um, but branches on the vine only get separated by an outside force. We have to go cut them down. We have to sever them at the source. We've, or, or maybe a big wind comes by <laughs> and blows the branches off. Or, or maybe an animal walks by and it has, nibbles a snack or brushes up against the vine and the branches break off. The difference here is that we, branches, can walk away. 
We can choose to, to disconnect from the vine and say, ah, I've got it today. Remaining is this significant and intentional choice that we make to say, the vine is my source. The vine is where I live. The vine is where I call home. And I will remain today. Verse 6 talks about the thrown out branches. Uh, it says this, If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. When we cut off the branches, we gathered them up, put them in the, plastic, the paper bag, and put them out on the curb, and they magically disappeared on Monday. Um, but, but Scripture says they're gathered up and, and thrown away. They have no use. They have no life in them left, for they are dried dried out. That branch that can choose to separate, that branch that can choose to walk away and not remain and not abide will pay a price. For that branch will dry up. will cease to be lush and vibrant and filled with life and growth and, and choose to or cease to be what it was intended to be because of the choice that it made. That connection with Jesus is so important. It's so crucial, so critical in our lives. And sometimes we can get pretty casual about it, pretty nonchalant. Like, yeah, yeah, I do life with Jesus. <laughs> I think God wants us connected, nourished and fed by our connection with Christ. For when we choose to, to separate, when we choose to kind of ah, just plug in when, when I feel a bit low, the price we pay is too high, the cost is too great. We know that. We know that. We've, we've experienced that. I don't stand behind the pulpit saying, you know what, every day I've lived, I've, I've lived connected with Jesus every day. No, because we know don't we know that feeling of, of drifting and feeling disconnected and feeling dry and forgetting how important and how critical that connection with Christ is? I'll tell you, abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ is this, this process of knowing uh, and experiencing that dryness and saying, I refuse to live this way. I refuse to let this be the norm. I refuse to let this become normal in my life. I'm not going to stand for this. And chasing after the Spirit of God, even when we find ourselves in those dry places. There's been moments in my life where it feels I'm in the middle of the desert, the dark night of the soul. And I say, I choose to chase after God where he can be found. I choose to go after him because I wish to stay connected. I wish to remain in Christ and to abide in Christ. Praise the Lord. Our, our lines are not perfectly straight. Our lives are not, not this straight line that, that we have twists and turns, that we can have moments of struggle. 
we can have moments that cause us to pause and say, God, this isn't, this isn't where I'm meant to be. Help me remain in you. For sometimes we chase and stumble. Sometimes we pursue and fall. Sometimes we have to get back up again. Sometimes we even crawl because standing is too hard and we take one little step at a time. This, this passage also answers for us the question, why? Why do we abide? What's, what's the point? Why, why is this? The passage is very clear. It says, fruit. That we might produce fruit in our lives and be fruitful people. I want to be fruitful. I want to be like verse 2, not the first part. Okay, It says he removes any, any branches that don't produce fruit, but I want to be like the second part. It says this, he trims the branches that produce fruit fruit. Why? So they can produce more. Do you want to live that way? Is that the kind of people of God that we want to be individually, but also together as a church family? For a lot of years, for me, the predominant sense, I, I think, for me and, and for the evangelical church, too, has been the, the, this fruit that means conversions, we want to be fruitful people. We want to share the message of Jesus. We want to, we want to bring the masses in and, and introduce them to Jesus. And I say, yes, that's what we want to do. But more and more, I think that there's this really healthy shift that's going on in, in the church today, at least in, in my life. I, I was listening this week to a podcast with Scott McKnight, and he talked about this, this shift that's going on in, in the church today, one that's, that's going from a salvation culture to a gospel culture. I want to be, be a church that's focused on, on living the gospel. I want my life to be focused on, on living the gospel and being gospel people, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not one that says, ah, oh, we, we really got to save everybody. We've got to save everybody. Bring them in. Bring them in. That's not a bad result. It's not a bad result if they say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. But I want this place to be a place of the gospel. A place of the kingdom where we love each other. Where we know each other. Look people in the eye and say, God loves you. You're valuable. How are you growing? Teach me. Help me understand. I see such good things in your life. One that takes seriously not only the sharing of Jesus, but the intended work of Jesus' people. Remember Ezekiel 34 from last week. What did it say? Ezekiel, even back in the Old Testament, even the prophet that was critiquing the shepherds that had led Israel said this, strengthen the weak. Heal the sick, bind up the injured, retrieve the wayward, and seek the lost. Can we be a church that does that? Can I live a life that does that? I think I can. But only as I remain in Christ. Only as I abide in Christ through my days. I think fruit looks different in different times and different places and for different people. I was reading Stephen Cooper this week. He talks about how, how radical this fruit has looked at times. It was crazy for people. Think back to the Apostle Paul. Paul let uncircumcised Gentiles know about Jesus. What? Praise the Lord, he did. 
Anthony called the desert fathers into this pagan place in the desert of Egypt and says, I have found here that I can listen well to the voice of Jesus. St. Francis dared to become homeless, penniless, owning nothing, depending only on Jesus. Luther saw new life for the church as, as politics and power and control and money had kind of seeped its way into the expression of the church. And fruit looked nothing like what he wanted it to as the Protestant Reformation started under his his conviction. Wesley sought rigorous accountability and practices to calling Jesus' followers to a holy life. Christian abolitionists in Europe saw the dehumanizing effects of slavery and said, we're going to fight against this. What will fruit look like for me? What will fruit look like for you? There aren't a lot of St. Francis's or Luther's or <laughs> Paul's or Wesley's out there. But what does it look like for us? Probably has to do with our neighbors. Probably has to do with bringing a meal or sharing a note or, or living Jesus' life in front of the people around us. Maybe it's teaching a class or, or serving on, on a board or, or starting up a ministry or following the Holy Spirit where he leads and saying, I want my life, this life that's deeply rooted and deeply connected to the vine, to bear fruit. I, I think discovering the fruit to which we're called to produce is, is much less a treasure hunt. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if there was a map and it was a treasure hunt? Oh, I found it. Instead, it's more a daily attitude and posture ready to hear and respond to Christ, ready to follow the Holy Spirit where he leads as he calls us. But it only works as we abide in Christ. It only works as we remain in him. I'm going to invite the praise team uh, to come on up as we, as we close today. This past Thursday, um, I was in Nampa for district assembly. Uh, I, was, I was writing my, my sermon, um, and, and I texted my sister, uh, it was her birthday, uh, and so I, I, as we were texting back and forth, and I had said happy birthday, I said, well, I'm sermonating. That's not a word, but it's a word that I use. Um, I was sermonating. Um, I'm sermonating about vines and branches and fruit today, and like seconds later, my phone rings. She's like, what? <laughs> Talk to me. You're like, sermonating? First of all, what's that? And then branches, vines, fruits, what are you, what are you talking about? And for a, for a short while, maybe like seven or eight minutes, we talked about um, where I felt God leading me in this sermon. And somebody's in the back like, why didn't we get the seven or eight minute version, Freebird? Come on. Uh, but we agreed on this. We're convinced that those people who live deeply connected to the vine or a compelling version of the life that we give to the life that we get to live with Christ. Let's be those people, those people that are so deeply connected to the vine that they're healthy branches, that they're lush, that they're green, that they produce healthy and delicious fruit. Let's be those people for our families, for our friends, for our church 
for our community, and even for the world. Amen? Amen. Today, maybe uh, as, as we go to, to pray, maybe you're, you find yourselves in one of those spots where you're like, preacher, it's where I'm at. I feel disconnected. Today, I feel disconnected like I know I'm in that middle of that desert. I know I'm in one of those seasons where it feels like the dark night of the soul is pressing in upon me. Can I, take, can I ask you to take advantage right now before you sing, before you leave this room? Connect once again. Abide once again. Remain once again. Make that intentional choice. Become connected to the vine. One of the cool images of the vine is that it connects each of us. Do you know we're connected to the same vine? But you and I and Christians around this world connect to the same vine who is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the true vine. If you're feeling disconnected today, take a moment, right at your seat, come up to an altar and pray. Find time to say, God, I wish to remain connected in this way. Help me. Be close to me as I am close to you. Let's pray and then we'll sing. God, thank you for the chance to be in your house and to be with your people. Thank you for the chance to celebrate and to hear from your word. When I ask today that you would help us to remain and abide in you. I know, I know in this room there are people who have just felt dry, disconnected, like a branch that's all dried up. And I pray today, I'm so thankful that that doesn't have to be the end of our story. It's not like we're a branch that's already discarded, but you say that you can, you tell us, return to me. Come back into this place where I can feed and nourish you and, and, and offer water, the life-giving water that's found nowhere else. And I'm so grateful that you're the vine that connects us all. As church family, right here in Mountain Home, but around the world, those that worship Jesus are connected to the same vine and we're connected to them. Their worship might look a little different, might believe some different nuances of the faith. And yet our lives are grounded in Jesus Christ, the one who died, the one who was resurrected. For the tomb was empty and we celebrate that again today. Be with us. Help us to remain and abide in you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. For God calls us to remain in him, but isn't it good news? God holds us. We are held by him. Amen. I'm going to ask you, those who are able and willing to stand to receive the benediction as we close today, we invite you to hold out your hands just as a reminder that this benediction is offered to you, for we receive the benediction Today, may we daily pursue a life 
deeply abiding, abiding in the vine of Christ, our source, our provider, our sustainer, that our lives might produce much fruit. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.